0: Good morning, guys. Against my better judgement, I've been convinced to actually do a morning show talking about politics, answering questions, doing some things that I do anywhere on Twitter and Facebook and all that kind of stuff, so may as well. Anyway, frankly, because I'm a weatherman, I've been asked to read out the weather across Europe. So it's 14 degrees in Amsterdam, 13 degrees in Paris, 13 degrees in London, 15 degrees in brussels and that's your weather report but anyway going to actually important stuff so a few nice stories because this is going to get super depressing super quick because this is politics so there's a nice story that's floating about at the moment about a spanish mother finally being able to hold her son after they were celebrated for 10 days after his birth thanks to coronavirus the dad still can't touch the kid but I think it's nice to actually have nice stories because I'm about to start talking about pandemics and populism and shit. Aside from that, there's some good news everywhere, even though people are being dumb as bricks. <clears throat> the rate of infections going down just about everywhere. I mean, Italy and Spain have declining death numbers and hospital admissions, that's good news considering how messy things got over there. Uh, France, there's, seven, there's been seven days or so of decreases in hospital admissions, endangered patients, ICU admissions, that kind of thing. So that's nice. But the problem is, aside from those, everybody's losing their minds. I have never seen so much nonsense, even having worked on Brexit, as I have at the moment. I mean, the UN declared an infodemic, which I have never even heard of. Talk about coronavirus conspiracy theories and all this nonsense. So apparently, A lot of people seem to think that 5G is some kind of bizarre conspiracy theory and 5G caused coronavirus. And I mean, I've heard like seven or eight different versions of this. My favourite so far is that Emmanuel Macron and Mark Rutte, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands, apparently created a... somehow created or voted into place To make sure that 5G would come into effect and cause the coronavirus. I don't know. And another one is that Xi Jinping is trying to kill Chinese people so that he can take more power despite now being leader for life. I mean, for me, I have no idea. And I've got people complaining about the fact that I'm not smiling enough and I'm not drinking any water and... I still have a remnant of whatever I had before, whether that was coronavirus or cold, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah, the bad news is that things are probably going to get slightly worse, just because of the fact that the uh, nobody's paying attention, nobody's really respecting the rules, and they're just about ruining it for everybody else. I mean, in the UK, it's absolute. <laughs> Lunacy. I mean, people are just going to the park, having picnics, going on dates. I mean, yesterday I saw pictures of people like flooding, I think it was Hyde Park and Green Park and another a bunch of other parks up and down London and uh, London the UK. And luckily, despite the fact that we're considered to be completely undisciplined in France, People are kind of respecting it, but they're still going to extend the lockdown anyway. So what I'd recommend to people in that case is we... I put up a load of links to like free museums and galleries and tours and that kind of stuff on one of my pages somewhere, so I'll try and find the link and wherever I end up posting this video, I'll just link the video, the posts underneath so people can get access for their kids or themselves or whatever. But otherwise people need to start, I don't know, learning languages, having fun, relaxing, finding a useful thing to do when they are moving on. I mean, I'm wasting my time doing this and procrastinating on my thesis, you know. We all have things that we're going to do and we're going to do them the way we do. Anyway, to the questions that I was asked. So, one of the questions, I mean, I've received this one about three or four times, but someone was asking me about what made me pursue a political career, and that is a very complicated question. And I'm not going to go too much into some of the reasons, because they're quite personal, and I have shared them with very few people. But, I mean, one of the main things that happened to me was that I was really interested in i became really interested in politics because i came home from school one day and i well i mean i ended up seeing the 9 11 attacks on television and i had no clue what was happening as a 10 year old nine year old or something and for me it was really a i mean i first of all it was quite shocking because when you're nine or ten years old you don't expect to see what's happening in the movies in real life you don't expect to see a building as big as the uh, world trade center falling down and that pushed me to you know start paying attention a bit more to news start watching like reading newspapers a bit more and another thing that kind of pushed me somehow towards this was that in uh, at a time when I was getting into politics, Tony Blair was the prime minister in the UK and from what you saw on the news, from what you saw in the newspapers, people hated that man. I mean, people hated that man and I could not understand why. And uh, for me, the got me into politics was basically just that I'm I, I like to understand what's going on. I like to understand why things are happening. I like to understand what people are doing and why. And especially when it comes to governance, it's so important to know what's going on. Anyway, but aside from that, I I mean, I wasn't even studying politics early on. I just had an interest in the topic. So originally, I was starting. I was studying art. So I was doing sculptures. I was painting with ink. I was uh, you know making clothes. I used to design clothes sometimes. I displayed art in art shows. I mean. In our family, we weren't very artsy, but somehow both me and my sister got quite into art and design and that kind of topic. I mean, I'm nowhere near as good as her. She'll be studying this at university, but I was okay. And I could have gone to university to study art. But for some reason, <clears throat> I decided to um, study politics. And, uh, you know, I studied politics. I went through university and came out of a degree in international relations. And afterwards, I just didn't touch politics for a couple of years, and I don't think it was until maybe twenty sixteen or so when I actually really regained my interest in politics and went back into politics. So for me, it was I was I think it was the American elections that and Brexit as well that got me into it because I saw all this nonsense people were talking about, and I also saw the way a lot of uh, the politicos and the commentators on uh, on TV, on the news, and on all of these organisations couldn't really do the right, do what they needed to do. So they couldn't really make it... They couldn't make the arguments they needed to do, for example, to beat Trump. They were making the wrong decisions when they were trying to figure out how to fight Trump. They were making the wrong decisions when it came to trying to fight Brexit. They were making all these really bizarre arguments that didn't really... <clears throat> work and didn't really actually have an effect on the way the population as a whole viewed what they were trying to fight against or do anything and for me it was a it was a shame because a lot of people weren't really able to do what they needed to do and I thought that I could do better basically and I started getting involved more in like commentary and campaigns and that kind of thing. And there was also the uh, the fact that Twitter had quite a big impact on me actually being more engaged in politics because the fact that for, some re- for whatever reason people started listening to what I was saying <clears throat> and that was sort of motivating me to do it. But I mean, I'm also one of those people who, politically, I think that politics should be about making things better. And I can't remember the term for it right now off the top of my head, but that when all these parliamentarians are in parliament, they should be working across party lines and actually trying to make the best and compromising. And I also didn't really see that in the US. I didn't really see that in uh, the UK. I struggle to see that even now during a pandemic in France and all these kind of things, you know, building up motivate me more and more to pursue the political career that I am, get my master's degree, start working on things on a European level, which has always been one of my key interests. And yeah, I mean, I can go in further in depth into that. Someone's trying to get me to write a piece on how I was almost. Um, What's the word. I was almost, well, I'll just say it as simply as possible, I was almost got by these, um, by extremists on the internet and all that kind of stuff. But aside from that, I think that's a simple answer to that. I don't want to make this too long because I do actually need to do other things. So if someone asked me to talk about populism, I have no idea what the hell they wanted me to say. So... Um, I mean, I guess I can talk about how populism seems to have had an impact on coronavirus reactions. I mean, simply put, populists are always trying to undermine institutions and organisations that actually fight and make governments work and are usually instrumental in fighting pandemics like this. So, I mean, uh, two big cases that I've seen put about, especially by a political scientist called Takis Papas, is that uh, Looking at the uh, looking at the situation in, in Spain right now, where I think it, you've got Vox and uh, Cicudanos who are all who are both populist parties, and how they've been quite successful in rallying against the state and the institutions and all this kind of stuff. They, uh, you can see that it has clearly undermined the way a lot of these institutions could work because these institutions had to also fight against a lack of trust and a lack of belief in their validity and the way in which they share the information. I mean, France was bad when it came to the conspiracy theories. I mean, people were blaming Macron for the coronavirus and then even when he did something, apparently it wasn't enough, whatever. But in Spain, from what I've heard and what I've noticed, it was quite bad and it took quite a lot for people to pay attention, which wasn't helped by the situation in Catalonia and all of these things. Italy has had a populist problem for a few years now, and it's only recently starting to get back on track towards being more democratic, more sensible, that kind of thing. But I mean, I think it's an interesting, I mean, if someone wants, the person who wants me to write talk about populism, if you actually want me to talk about populism, send me something more specific, please, because this is, there's too much to talk about. Another person asks me if I have any predictions about how the world will look after the pandemic. Well, I think anybody who pretends to have any idea of how things are going to look after this pandemic is talking out of his backside. And I think that people need to be very wary of people who are making all these predictions and saying that these kind of things, that they know exactly how it's going to work and how things are going to look. I mean, people have, um, we can predict a few things. I mean, people may, be, people may be less physically close in public. I don't necessarily think that's going to be the case because I'm seeing people making out to strangers in the middle of parks when I go running. People are saying that there will be, governments will have to figure out a way to actually fund more hospitals. So we may get better medical things. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case because people are going to be doing dumb things high and there's a lot of talk about how all of these countries are going to work together closer at a closer level at a european level i still don't think that's really going to happen because the uh, we still have i mean i don't know if anybody's been paying attention that closely but all of the things with um, dutch finance minister Hoekstra. Who basically decided he was going to insult everybody in southern Europe by mentioning the financial crisis from 12 years ago and how they can't really manage their economies. There's too much... I mean I can say that there's probably going to be a lot of finger pointing afterwards and China's already started this by blaming the EU and European states for the uh, coronavirus. I think they even tried to rename it as the European coronavirus or whatever. Over here, populists are going to have a very big card to play, pointing fingers at the uh, Chinese, globalization, globalists, blah, 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 whatever. So, European level, you're going to have a lot of finger pointing between countries. I mean, there's already a lot of complaints about how a lot of countries aren't doing enough for each other. There's a lot of finger pointing towards the EU who hasn't had a strong enough response, despite the fact that it's pumping ridiculous numbers into the financial fight against the coronavirus and funding all of these programs and this kind of stuff. Um, You can probably imagine, I mean, I think the IMF declared the other night that we're in a global recession already, thanks to this. So there's going to be some problems with the economies, there's going to be some problems with manufacturing, there's going to be some problems with various other topics that are key to people's lives. Um... I think this crisis will also make a lot of the current incumbent presidents and heads of states quite strong, there's going to be a, um, so Trump I think is going to come out of this looking good for whatever reason, I don't really understand why he does it or how he does it, but I think that just the fact that he's had a, a reaction to this, however I think that's only the case if it doesn't get worse than we think it's going to get. And I think that it can go one of two ways. So it can be absolutely catastrophic in the US where you've already got states fighting each other for resources, or it will all just continue down the path it's going and suddenly plateau once the CDC and the American medical organizations actually get their things together. I think Boris Johnson is going to come after this really strong. And I mean really strong, because first he has the fact that he's in in the UK. People seem to just not like to pay attention to facts and figures. And the, um, the government response is going to sound like it actually went quite well. And in some ways it looks like it's gone quite well because the figures haven't been catastrophic. And there's a lot of pointing fingers at other countries having done worse and blah, blah, blah. But the other thing is that because he's now been hospitalized, he also can say that, or if he survives, that he survived and that he did this while fighting for the country and blah, blah, blah. Um, someone's just asked me if I have any thoughts about the corona bonds. I, I mean, straight up, I'm a European federalist, so I'm always more into the integration route for the European Union. I think Corona bonds are a really, really good idea. However, I understand some of the some of the criticisms about Corona bonds that people have brought up. So, for example, I think it was one of the heads of the department for the European Central Bank. He was talking about how there's simply no time to actually get them in place because in order to have the Corona bonds functioning properly. You need to actually, you need at least three or four years to actually get them in place. And there was the argument being made that these, the support for a lot of these countries and the support for a lot of the programs that Corona Bonds was going to support could be done through current ECB programs. I'm not a big ECB expert, so I couldn't really comment on that too much, but. It's a, it's an interesting topic. I think that the at the European level, they should be putting together more, so that people would actually, be able to have. Well, member states would be able to pull more support from the European Commission, the European Union itself, faster. And I think they should be putting together some sort of pandemic funding program, similar to Corona bonds. But there's also the problem where you've got the. Um, you know, that big split in the European Union where you've got the fiscal hawks and then you've got the fiscal doves, where you've got the the doves want to have more funding. The countries like um, France, Italy, Spain, they want to have a unified funding program. They want something that's going to actually be able to help fellow member states and be able to pull from funding that comes from the European Union that they all play into and that comes through. However, you've also got countries like Germany and the Netherlands who would never go for it because they have domestic political issues, they don't want to be... they don't want to be seen as paying for the other countries that are doing all this other stuff. Whatever. But, I mean, yeah. I got a few other questions which were a bit weird and I'm not going to bother answering. But if anybody else has any questions, then, you know, DM me, message me, whatever. Send me questions. I think I've just done 20 minutes of talking, so I'm going to go find something better to do. And yeah, have a nice day.